1: Be here now and start your journey with Ramdas's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash inner academy. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are.
2: Welcome to the Krishnadas Pilgrim Heart Hour. In this podcast, Krishnadas shares his warm-hearted and down-to-earth path to the Divine. If you are interested in supporting Krishnadas's podcast, please go to BeHereNowNetwork.com slash KD. Finding a way to get through the day without creating suffering for ourselves or others. Basically, we can't help ourselves. That's all we do, is create suffering and pain. The best, even if we're not, especially, we're not trying to do that. Even most, some of us might not be trying. Some of us might be trying. But basically, none of us at heart want other people to suffer, nor do we want ourselves to suffer. But we don't know what to do everything we do leads to some dead end. And as far as this life goes, it's a dead end. (laughs) If there's any doubt about that, please let me know. So, there has to be a way. Well, there is a way, and to understand and find a way to live real life, real life. There's never a moment that we're separated from our true self. How could it be? How could there be a moment when you're not here? Whatever you're doing, whatever you're feeling, we're always here. And that hearness is a door into our true nature, is a door into Ram, into Krishna, into Kali, into Shiva, into Buddha nature. There's only one thing going on. We used to sit with Maharaji and he would just go. So we so we you know, what? We would think, okay, what are we getting busted for? Something we did? Something we're thinking about doing? Or something we're going to do later in the future? So we said, Baba, what is that? What does that mean? And he goes. (laughs) Then he goes. Okay. Explain that. He says, many names, many forms, all one. Beautiful. Beautiful. Just simplified my all goddamn life. <laughs> many names, many forms, many paths. Only one. All one. It's We're the one. There isn't two. Are you, is there like holy life and worldly life? No, it's just your goddamn life. There's nothing else going on. You wake up in the morning, you live your life, you go to sleep. You wake up in the morning, you live your life. What we do in the day is rather important in terms of how we feel about ourselves and how we feel about others and how we uh, navigate the oceans of emotions and stuff that happens. But you know what? Without a spiritual practice, there's absolutely no chance that you're going to get through it without screwing up. It's only some kind of practice that brings you back again and again. Even if you don't feel it, you have to do some practice to extricate ourselves from our, the obsessive flow of thinking and emotion and blind action that we perform all day long. No practice, no, no change. That's the way it goes. That's the good news and the bad news. Because the bad news is, sorry, you've got to do some practice. And the good news is, hey, you've got to do some practice. You can. You can. Because, because it's already who we are. It's not something we get. It's something we uncover again and again and again in ourselves. <laughs> and it's planting seeds. When you plant the seeds, you don't, you don't like pitch a tent out in the middle of the field and watch to see if the tea grows every day, every minute of every day. You plant the seed, you water, and then you go watch TV. So you plant the seed by doing your practice, and then you live your life. Don't think about it. Jesus Christ, what did that ever do? Nothing. Plant your seeds. Take that time away from the crazy flow of life to sit your ass down and calm your mind a little bit and then go live your life. Enjoy. Have a good time. But do some practice and do it regularly. Even if it's five minutes, turn off the phone. Five minutes. Give it five good minutes where you don't do anything but sit there. And then get up and have a cup of coffee and do whatever else you do. Smoke some dope. Who cares? (laughs) The point is to sit down and do something and break that flow just for a second. That's the most important thing you can do. We can do. So when we chant, that's what we just did for we just that was a half an hour chanting just there. A half an hour went by. No phone calls, no nothing, just chanting. Now, if you were here, really here for more than 35 seconds in that whole half hour, that would be fantastic. <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> you know, you got your whole life, it's like it's like you're, in, you're going down a waterfall and you stop in the middle. You think the water stops? No. It keeps going. So when you sit down to add a practice to your flow of the day, the flow of the day doesn't stop. The mind keeps going. The thoughts keep going. The emotions keep going. The memories keep coming. The fantasies keep coming. But you're just sitting there with it. And you're not, it might take you away for a while, but you come back. Again and again, you keep coming back. That's the most. I'm just like onto this thing. I really like this thing now. I, that kind of dawned on me. So, okay, so you're sitting here, Sri Ram Jai and you're thinking about UConn women's basketball. Ram Ram Jai I know I I I I I recorded it online. Sometimes it doesn't work. I should have done it on the TV set. I hope they win. They lost in the finals last year. God damn it. And then I realized, oh, okay. God damn, women's finals. I can't. So, but the moment that I notice that I've been, that I'm gone, right? So think about that second, okay? You were all just singing and I bet you a billion dollars, every single one of us, was gone, at least for a second. So think about that moment when you noticed that you had been thinking, right? That you were thinking. So you came back to the chant, right? I hope. How did that moment happen? We didn't do that moment. Nothing we did in that moment woke us up. We were just chanting, and then we were thinking, and then we noticed, we were thinking. How did that noticing happen? That's a miracle. Most people, they get born, they graduate high school, they drink beer, they go to work, and then they die. And they never notice. One second. They don't notice a whole life spent asleep. Due to our previous karmas, we notice. And what I mean by that is the practice we've done previously in our lives, or maybe in some other life, if, if there is such a thing, that's what allows that moment to happen when you wake up from the dream and you come back to the chanting. It's a really big moment. Without that moment, none of us would be here today. We'd just be floating along doing something else. This moment when we gather together to do some practice and to think about these things and try to recognize what's going on in our lives and how to better deal with it, this is a big moment. And it comes from all the previous moments that we've noticed that we're not here. And we want to be here. And so the more practice we do, the more quickly, so to speak, that moment will arise when we wake up and notice that we're gone. And then we get a chance to, we're already back, actually. It's not like then we come back. We're already back. The moment you notice you're thinking, you're already back. It's amazing. Because mostly we won't even notice that and we're back to thinking again. So when you're doing a practice like this, you get a chance to notice that you noticed. (laughs) Really, really. And that's a very big thing. That's the second big thing. The first thing is that you wake up for a second from the dream. Now, normally, especially if we're busy running around New York doing all kinds of stuff, we might wake up for the dream for a second, but we don't notice it. We're back into it. When we do a practice, that moment when we wake up, Becomes the doorway into a, another moment, a, a more awakening, more noticing that we're here. That's really big. And the more we notice, the more it happens. Because we're actually creating new neural pathways in the brain. They proved this now. They brought all these meditators into, uh, into the lab and they put all kinds of electrodes on their heads and asked them to do this and that. And they see that meditation practice. Actually changes the shape of the brain, creates new pathways for you to for this awareness to flow, for this waking up to flow. Really, it happens. One of my good friends, Richard Davidson from Madison, is like one of the leading guys in this. And Danny Goleman and he just wrote a book called Altered Traits. It's called like Altered States, but Altered Traits. And they describe the the, the science behind it. It's really true. So when we sit down, it's not just wishful thinking. We're actually changing the shape of our brains and allowing that moment of opening, of waking up, of noticing to happen more quickly. More and more we do the practice. So, and that's Ram. That, that waking up is Ram. That's, that's our true nature, Buddha nature. That's our... That's, it, that is awakened, Bodhi mind, they call it, awakened mind, awakened state. But most people don't know, everybody wakes up, everybody. But just like if you're really busy and you're late and you're behind schedule and you didn't do your work and you're not better up, you'll, you'll notice, but it just goes away too fast. It really happens fast and then you're gone again. So that's why practice is very important. Whatever it is, whatever practice you do, whether it's chanting or sitting or whatever, it's really very important because now there's been noticing and then you noticed that it happened, that you woke up, and now you're trying to do something that will deepen those moments and give you more of yourself back. Give more of yourself back to yourself. The problem is that we judge ourselves so quickly and so harshly that we're not going to give ourselves a break. Ah, nothing's happening, God damn it. Five minutes of this. Can't stand it, and you're gone. So that's another program that you don't notice. But the more practice you do, the more you notice, oh, look at that one. And then you don't buy into it so strongly. But it takes time and a gentleness with ourselves. Which, I don't know about you, but I didn't get trained to be gentle with myself. Just the opposite. So, that's the deal. See ya. Stop. I can hear that sarcastic edge on that clap. (laughs) So um, we're going to, like, have questions and stuff. The thing is that we've screwed up and we don't have the right equipment. So we have, what did we decide to do? We're going to, we have the cable. We have a microphone, which was good. But it's attached to a cable, so it's going to be... Huh? Am I right? So we're going to have to snake the cable around the room, so you all have to help. Okay? Otherwise, it was to make you all get up and stand in one place, and that's too much like PS 186. (laughs) Well, you know, everybody's going to have to help. You're going to have to pass the mic around. So if you have something to say, raise your hand. Be nice. Nobody. That, somebody over there? Okay, pass the mic back. See what happens. It's going to be fun. Yeah, Kevin? If I had cities, I would just like pick the mic up with my mind and move it over there. But unfortunately, today's what? Sunday? No cities on Sunday. Kevin? Kevin? Oh. Oh, you came up. That's nice of you. Hi.
1: Hi.
2: Wait, hold on. Okay, now. I sing. You what? I sing. I sing, therefore you are.
3: (laughs) I am. And I noticed that each of the instrumentalists have their own passion for their instrument. And I have been wondering for over a year how you found your way to the instrument in front of you. Why not the drums? Why not the guitar? Or is it all of those things?
2: That's what I say every day. Why not the guitar? I could have been a star. got a little squeeze box here. Uh,
3: We don't don't grow up with those usually. Tell me
2: about it. We don't grow up with them. I had to go get amoebic dysentery just to get one of these things.
3: How did. See? How did you find it, and how did you know it was for you
2: i didn't, <laughs> but what happened was I had this little instrument, like a two string thing that went bang and that's what I used to sing with all the time I was in India um, I noticed people you know other people were playing harmonium and stuff like that they didn 't really use this kind of thing much, but I was using it because I liked it. it was easy to carry around and uh so when I started singing with people on uh, Jiva Mukti, uh, for a while, I used that, but it wasn't loud enough. And people weren't really hearing the sound, and, you know then they wouldn't hear the key that the song. So then I got out of harmonium and I started to f- play it a little bit. I took piano lessons when I was eight years old. So that's kind of how I play the harmonium, like an eight-year-old. <laughs> Because it was louder. That's all. And also, there was chords, and Westerners like chord changes. I like chord changes, so with, you couldn't really feel that so much with that that dotar, ektar, it was called. That's the whole deal. It wasn't magical. It was just by default, like everything else in my life. It's <laughs> to find you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I had a plan. That would be nice. But what are we doing? How are we doing? That? Okay, great. Go ahead. Hi. Can you hear me? Yeah. Cool. I can hear you.
3: Wow. Um, I, I live in a community where most of the people around me are Christian, and the ones that aren't Christian maybe don't believe oh, in anything. I'm
2: going
3: to hell. Well, <laughs> that too. Um, <laughs> and, and so.
2: It's going to be a night tonight.
3: Yeah. <laughs> So um, when people see like the little Hanuman thing hanging from the rearview mirror, yeah, monkeys are not
2: big up there in the (laughs) Christian.
3: Yeah, and I have a little puja table in my house, and I may be selling my house, and I'm thinking,
2: take it down before the people come.
3: (laughs) So. So my question for you is you must have run into people in your life who just didn't get it that that you can have this Hindu practice and still be okay with Jesus and okay with Buddha and okay with Allah, but mainly you do Hindu, but they all mainly do Christian, so. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <clears throat> well, yeah, you know. You just don't talk to people in a language they don't understand, that's all. It's it's very simple. When I'm hanging out with truck drivers, I don't talk about, you know, flying monkeys. (laughs) Talk about trucks, you know, and truck stops, and the best diners, you know, that kind of stuff.
3: But I, I guess the conflict I have is I, w- I want to share it, I want to be proud of it, I, wanna, I want it to be part of everything I do, and yet sometimes I have to just um, just back off. And I, it feels like I'm keeping a secret, but I don't want yeah, it to be that's, a secret. Yeah,
2: that's what's called insanity on your part. Is it? Yeah. What do you mean you want to be proud, you want to share? It's not your business to share. It's your business to be you. And part of being you, if you want to surround yourself with negativity, try to convince other people of your way. Okay. They don't need you to help them. You need to help yourself. And creating, if you try to uh, share something with somebody in a way that's not in their uh, their genes, in their DNA. You know, you're only creating negativity for yourself. Why would you do that?
3: Well, I I don't go down to the Catholic Church and say, hey, get rid of all this crap. You know, I've got this monkey. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not... not, Well,
2: that's good.
3: No, I mean, like, people like your family,
2: your... There's nobody worse than your family when it comes to this stuff. Okay. Definitely lock that room when they come over.
3: Well, that's what I've been I doing. Got,
2: I got a call, I got a letter from, a, an email from a friend of mine once, and she was totally into chanting, and, but her husband was totally, you know, what, you know? And she said, you know, my husband's threatening to divorce me, I, I don't understand, you know, I just play your chants all the time in the house, upstairs, downstairs, in the kitchen. <laughs> I said, shut that fucking music off. <laughs> What is wrong with you, you know? There's, they're still together, you know? I can't believe I had to tell her that, you know? Why is he so upset? Why is he so upset? You're playing voodoo witchcraft music in the house all the time. What's wrong with you? It doesn't take a, a, a physicist to figure that out. The changes that have to happen are inside, you know? If you need to have a puja or an altar with all this weird stuff on it, have it. Keep it in your closet so it doesn't affect other people negatively. You have to be skillful with this stuff. It's not secrets, but it's, it's non-harming. It's ahimsa. Why would you make somebody feel bad or anger or, or tense or negative? You know, Why would you do that? You don't want to do that. So pay more attention, and you have nothing to prove anybody. It's not your business to share this. People ask me all the time. They come up and they say, just so you don't do this later. Oh, I want to share my, I chant, I love to chant, I want to share it with people. I say, you do? What's wrong with you? I don't want to share this with you. I have to. I don't sing with you. I sink. I as this is not, I didn't create this to serve myself or my own desires. This is happening because my guru wants it to happen. For my sake and your sake. But it's not my desire. Consciously. I'm sure there was all kinds of karmas involved in it. Otherwise, it could never happen. But this is not, I'm not trying to do something for you to make myself feel good for my own personal desires. I'm just trying to sing to save my ass. And if you sing the way I sing, maybe your ass will get saved as much as mine is, which is about 3% (laughs) out of 10%. So anyway, like, it's not about that. This is our, this is, spiritual practice is internal. And if it doesn't make you a more sensitive, more aware person of, of other people's issues, and how you affect other people, then it's not working. It's just not working. Spiritual practice isn't about you. It's not about me. It's about what's inside of us, which we're not in touch with mostly. If I was here trying to do something to you, like when, you know, like, and it's not a bad thing, but it's just, in this case, it's not really the thing. But if this was a rock and roll concert... I'd be singing music trying to get you off and make you have a good time, right? There's nothing wrong with that. It's entertainment. But that's not what this is. That's not what spiritual practice is, and this is spiritual practice. I just can't do it in my room alone. I have to do it with all these people, with you. If you don't come, I'm watching basketball. (laughs) I told you, you think I'm kidding. That's your problem. No, but seriously, you know, I don't want to. I don't have a, I don't have a desire to share this. Share my music with the world. Why would I? Well, you know, that's not. I'm not. That's not my thing. You know, my thing is to go in. You know, find to look within, and the chanting is what does that for me. I, that's how I look within. I'm. I'm not. I. I understand that it affects all of us in a good way I'm, that's wonderful wonderful i'm very i'm very i'm very grateful that my guru has created this show f- to save me that's wonderful i'm very grateful i hope it works <laughs> we'll see so I, anyway so that's the point so you can have your pujas, you can have your pictures of Hanuman, you can have all the things, but you know they're all the same. If you're attracted to one path, that's fine, but you don't, somebody, your neighbor doesn't have to be attracted to the same path in order to be on a path. They're doing their thing the best they can. If you're doing the best you can, that's good. Maharaji always said, you know, Hanuman, Krishna, and Christ are the same. This was not what we wanted to hear. To be honest, you know, we we went like, what? We don't want to hear about Christ. We're in India. We're walking around stepping in cow poop. We don't care about Jesus. But he saw something within us that, He wanted to point out something very important to us. We went to India to be Indian, you know, to get what they had. But we were also turning away from what from Western culture, so to speak. We were pushing that out of ourselves because there was pain there involved for us. There were parts of our own lives that we didn't want to know about. We wanted to be away from them. When I left for India, I was never gonna go home. I'm never coming back to America. There was just too much horror for me here. All the neurosis was spelled with caps. You know, and I couldn't get around it. I couldn't find any happiness or any peace here. And so I thought, I'll go to India. I'll find it there, and I'll just stay there. That's it. Why should I come back? Well, I came back because he sent me back, because he looked at me and he said, you have attachment, go back. (laughs) attachment what are you talking about well 50 years later i can tell you exactly what he was talking about minute by minute my whole life look was all the stuff that's happened in my life was there at that moment in 1973 when he sent me home right it was all inside of me like a seed and there was no way for it to be cleaned up unless it grew and flourished And I dealt with it. No way. If you think you can outfox your own desires, you are tripping. No way. And if you don't believe me, never mind. I was going to go somewhere, but I'm not going to go there. But dealing with desires and our humanness is a big thing for us. Because we're just not comfortable, we're just not, we haven't found comfort in these bodies. We can't find comfort here. It's very hard. We can't find the food that, that fulfills us in a human body. It's very difficult. We keep clutching at different things, relationships, this stuff, possessions, all these kind of things we want, we grab at that. we hope are going to give us what we want. And of course they don't. They can't. Because what we want is already inside of us. It doesn't come from outside. But we don't know that. And so, how do we find out? We watch ourselves be really stupid for a really long time. (laughs) There's no other way around it. Period. When you do practice, when you add practice to your life as it is, you don't have to wear holy clothes, you don't have to dress up, you don't have to have all kinds of Indian names, all that nonsense. You just have to add practice into your life as it is. That will do the work. Just like that moment when you notice that you haven't been here, adding the practice makes those moments happen more, allows those moments to happen more often and more deeply and more and more deeply. You don't have to change everything in your life. I don't want to drive a Prius. I'm sorry. I don't care how much meditation I do, I ain't gonna drive a Prius. No, that's actually not true. I would drive a
0: Prius.
2: (laughs) Maybe. But you add the practice to your life. Don't expect everything to change like this. Just add it in there. Do something. And over time, you will notice that there are changes that happen. It just happens from the inside out. You just start making choices that are different that you don't even know they're different at first. The people that you were attracted to, whatever, for all the reasons you were attracted to them, it just shifts. You just go, like, "Eh, you know, I'm gonna do something else. And you don't even know why. It just happens that way. Because what you were getting there is no longer, you're recognizing inside, without thinking, not here, but here. This is all under the radar. You're just making these choices from a different place. You're, let, you're, you're allowing your life to open up a little bit in new ways without having to think about it. You just do the practice. You don't have to have a big plan. Because any plan you make today was based on what you know now. And that's going to change. Why would you spend all the time making a plan that's going to change in your next breath? You know? what we do just like not wanting to join any club that would actually let you in because that you're getting invited to that club based on who they see you as never mind maybe you know 20 years ago i had a great friend who was a uh, He was a reincarnated Zen master. There's no question about it. And he was a Jewish kid from Cleveland, from Shaker Heights. (laughs) And uh, we used to go sit together at the Zen Center in San Francisco. His name was Fred. And uh, I remember one time we came out of the sesshin. We'd been sitting like you know for twenty hours a day for three days. We come out and this bus comes by. We spewing black smoke, you know, and he just went ah <laughs> you have to be a Zen master to do that <laughs> and he said, he said you know when I go home to visit my mother the little old Jewish lady, she said she can't she hates it, she can't stand it, you know, when, when I'm a Buddhist, but when I'm Buddha she loves me <laughs> so that's the deal That's the deal right there. Oh, boy. Okay. Go ahead. Next.
0: Hi. I just wanted to, first of all, thank you for um, giving us this opportunity to gather because we don't get that anymore. Really? And there are no more leaders. And just to have this amazing opportunity, I ended up... um, wanting to leave everything, because I got tired of all this, and wanting to find what was within and go to the tropics, and I ended up in Florida in a trailer park. And it led me to a thrift shop, which led me to your cassette tape. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know about you, I didn't know about Dharma, I didn't know about anything, I just knew that I bought things that called to me, and I put it on my little A-track, because I put nothing in my trailer that's modern. And... You got me, you have no idea what you, I'm sure everyone is in this room is here because of the same reason. You gave me um, a freedom and a beauty. I, In my trailer at night, I dance in my kitchen to your cassette, and there was no spiritual practice. It was just yeah, source, dancing, celebrating, whatever it was. And now that you're talking, I realize, of course, like all these amazing good things have happened since, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that it's your 8-track right. tape. But. Um, it's, been, it's been really beautiful, and I just want to thank you, thank you. very much. Thank you.
2: <clears throat> the repetition of the name is a very, 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 very deep and powerful practice. It doesn't seem like that. It seems like any two-year-old can do it, and that's and they can. And that's why it's so deep and subtle, because anyone can do it. And they say in this age, which according to the Eastern way of looking at things is the Kali Yuga, the dark ages, where the light is buried very deeply within us and we live very short lifetimes and we don't have an opportunity to really uh, do the kinds of practices that they did in different ages, so to speak. They say in this age, the repetition of the name is the most powerful practice you can do. I don't know that like, I can't say to you, I know that that's true. It, but every, all the saints that I know in India, that's what they say. That's what they say. So it's really a big-time practice. Every repetition of the name is a seed. It's a seed that gets planted in our mind stream, in our hearts, in our being. And seeds will grow at the right time, at the right place, in the right conditions. So plant those seeds while we can, and while we're aware, and our lives will change around that practice. And if you do another practice, fine, no problem. Any practice you do is good, but right now we're just talking about the repetition of these names, which is the chanting that we do, which is my main practice. I do other practices. I All kinds of Buddhist meditation, all kinds of stuff. I can't Sufi dance anymore because I can't stand up straight. But I used to do that on the rooftops in the mission in San Francisco, with Sufi Sam, 50 years ago, 40 years ago. So all practices are good. And But my main practice is what we've been doing here is chanting the names. Maharaji said, "Ramnam Nam Karnese Sapura Hojata from going on repeating these names, these divine names, these names of God, everything is brought to fullness and completion. You know, there doesn't seem to be a logical connection between those two phrases. Why would doing Ram Nam or all this chanting bring things to a log- to fullness and completion? Why would that ripen us to a point where we can actually feel real love? What's the connection? I Don't know. But every being I've met who knows says that. That's all I can tell you. Draw your own conclusions.